0: Welcome to Fucking Cancelled, a podcast about what the left is like, what to do about it, and what it'll be like once we've done it. Today we're joined by friend of the pod and English punk rocker, Johnny Itch Fox, to discuss punk, working class solidarity, integrity, and setting hearts on fire. Hi. bonjour, hi, bonjour, hi, toute la journée it goes. bonjour, hi, bonjour,
1: hi, bonjour, hi.
0: Hi It Hi. Hi. Hi It
1: So, welcome back to fucking cancel. Welcome back to fucking cancel. Today is very exciting because we are joined by our friend Itch of the King Blues. Mm-hmm. Welcome, Itch.
2: Hello. Thank you for having me.
1: I'm so excited to have Itch on the pod.
0: Yeah, we're so to have you.
1: Um, before we get into it I just wanted to like tell the story of the first time that I heard the King Blues play. So <laughs> basically like last year um Jay and I were going to England and actually we were going to get a tattoo from our friend Danny. But when we were there people started asking us like would we do any events and itch reached out and was like look I'm going to like organize this event for you called Fucking Cancel Fest which was really cool and um in classic uh, Clementine style. I have too many things going on at all times, so I'm always like very unprepared for everything and have no idea what's going on. So I actually had not bothered to look into the King Blues or or like listen to you guys before the event. Like I was just like, yeah, they're like some band from the UK. I don't know who they are. And then we went, and the show was like fucking packed. It was like 400 people, and everybody there obviously was obsessed with the King Blues. Like was singing all the words by heart um and so first of all we're like damn these guys are a big deal and then secondly when we listened to the music we were like holy fuck we love the king blues
0: (laughs) yeah seriously yeah that's very sweet thank you we're like giant giant king blues fans now like honestly the, the
1: rest of that um the rest of our trip we were just listening to the king blues and i i'll tell you okay so i have to admit i'm sorry i'm a spotify person but okay so that event was in um i guess october and then my spotify wrapped at the end of the year the king blues was in my top like five listened to artists of the year oh, wow. of the year so that's how that's much great. i listened to the King Blues
0: after that love that love that story <laughs> yeah yeah it was it was really sweet um yeah we were blown away by uh how how great you were um as a musician but also uh afterwards we we were hanging out with you and talking and it was like really really cool to get to know you yeah yeah
2: um, sorry, it was a ahead. shame we didn't get to sort of hang out a little more uh, i really wanted to spend a little more time with you but i think that it was really special the time that we spent together actually because you two are uh, genuinely heroes of mine and um i i don't really have too many heroes nowadays um and I think people didn't really re- don't perhaps don't realize if they listen to your pods and follow your socials, it's just how freaking funny you both are. And you're both like hilarious.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um the only other thing I want to say before getting into the questions is just like one of the things that was so moving to me about the the show and getting to hear you guys play is that it's just like so heartfelt and sincere, your music, you know? Like there's like this like really heartfelt and positive like punk energy that like i feel like we're missing in the world these days so we're gonna get more into that in the questions but it was really beautiful to see and we don't we haven't confirmed it but we do have some plans to possibly be going overseas again in the fall so we'll let you know if we do yes yes
0: yes perfect Um, all right ish so can you introduce yourself to our listeners um tell us about the king blues and any other projects you have going on
2: sure i mean I think my story and the King Blues story are so uh, interlinked, it kind of make would make sense maybe to tell you a little bit about myself going into the King Blues. So I'm, yeah. my name's Ich, I'm a, a very old person from London, born and bred, um, <laughs> sort of, you know, a, um, my mum grew up in, in, in poverty, poverty, sort of like uh, six years old, going to get water from the well, uh, no electricity in the village. I grew up in sort of Western poverty where we did have electricity. We did have running water, but it was incredibly poor. I grew up in in what we call here the council estates. I suppose in New York, you call it the projects. Uh, Canada, I I don't know what you call it. Maybe you just have more room than us. Um, But in this kind of uh, very working class uh, council estates. And when I was 13, I was kicked out of home for just being, you know, a rebellious punk kid. And I was taken in by a group of of punk rockers who uh, spoke very little english there were spanish punks who who lived over here but they'd opened up a squat in south london which was this huge abandoned building that we went in and at the time it was uh it was legal to squat in the uk so if you found an empty building and um you know took a crowbar to the door changed the locks um put up what's called a section 6 on the door declaring that legally this is a squat it were it became legally yours and you were the essentially the owners of that abandoned property until what would happen is you'd get you'd get a letter through from the courts saying they're, they're going to kick you out once you got the letter you had about a month you'd go out and you'd find somewhere else and that's how i lived from sort of 13 to 18 was um just we have a magazine over here called the big issue that homeless people sell And so these punks taught me because I was 13, you know, I was out of school. I was just like, these were my new family all of a sudden. Um, And they showed me this music from before I was born that spoke to me so much more than the music of my own generation. Um, They showed me alternative lifestyles. They showed me rebellious politics and how politics really actually affects me and how I can affect politics. Um, they showed me how to open up abandoned buildings they showed me how to hook up the electrics how to throw squat parties how to be involved in radical politics so by the time it came around to doing the king blues it was like we i already had that knowledge so the very early days were me kind of me and and, and a collective of of, of others as well would go around at night we'd find these abandoned buildings it'd be an abandoned library or abandoned or one time an abandoned police station um really great abandoned buildings and we would go in hospitals take them over and that weren't being used anymore we'd throw parties and people would come down just because there was a party going on there was no authority there's no bouncers that you can do what you want it's a punk rock party And then people started talking about, hey, there's this kid who kind of plays these songs on the ukulele as well. And people just started talking. They certainly weren't there to see me. But as the parties went on, more and more people did start coming to see me. There started to be a little bit of a a talk about it. And um, a friend of mine had a mini disc player. I don't know if you remember, like Sony mini disc players. (laughs) Uh, Kind of after the Walkman. It's a revolutionary new thing. And he said, yo, if you... If you take this mini displayer, you use the headphones, one of them can work as a microphone. Maybe you can record a demo. So I was like, okay. At the point, King Blues was just me and a ukulele. So I was like, okay, recording a couple demos. And I passed it on to uh, a friend of mine who's a DJ, he played at a few uh, clubs in London. And weirdly, he started spinning it in, in a few clubs, and it would be like, I don't know, Green Day or Metallica would play. And then my song would come in and be like super quiet.
3: (laughs) Um,
2: (laughs) And people would be like, what is going on? But there was a kind of a tiny little bit of a buzz that started to happen. And so I sort of put this band together around me. Um, A friend of ours went into... a, uh he, he was doing work experience at a studio. He said, yo, we've got three hours. They've left me here. I've got three hours until the alarm goes off. If you want to come in and do a demo, we can do it. So we kind of rushed down there, did the demo. And at the time, we were very much, pretty much every weekend, we were playing these squat parties. We started playing protests. Um, we'd built a, a sound system which was a, a PA on the back of a, a tricycle powered by a car, ba- the, the PA was pow- powered by a car battery that we would take on protests and we would play the entire time because we were like, man people are coming to see us. maybe we can get them to come out into the streets as well. And And it really worked. and people would come out and they would be like, man, the protest was kind of buzzing, it was kind of a vibe. Um, and then people were like protests are actually kind of fun and so let's you know let's go down and we were kind of trying to put the party back into it uh, Mm -hmm. for what was a very boring you know especially over here just a very boring old school comrade thing Mm -hmm. we kind of tried to inject this little bit of youth into it and um, so after we recorded this demo in three hours um, there was a show that was on at 2 a.m on Radio 1 that on a Monday night that was only listened to by people coming down on off drugs on the weekend or like truckers doing long journeys it it wasn't like you got played on a radio you were good no one listened but we did start to get played on there and and a little buzz formed we formed uh we we signed to a very small diy label did a record uh cost us a thousand pounds they gave us and from there we did our first record and, and and the buzz started building. We signed to a label um, that was offshoot of Island Records to do our second. So we were now into, into like major label territory where it was suddenly very different because we were now we had the, the power of radio pluggers behind us. We were suddenly in the mainstream away from this from this punk scene, but um, that we had certainly come out of. We never we don't play punk music, but we certainly come from that place. Um and yeah, from there we kind of became a very cult band. Um, and you know, we're now like seven, eight albums later, seven, eight labels later, and we're still kind of here and doing our thing. Um, we're not really a part of a scene anymore. We're very much just on our own doing our own thing now. Um, but we're still we're still surviving somehow.
1: Mm, I love that story. Yeah. Mm, thanks so much for telling that story because I could like hear
0: you know, elements
1: of it that I've heard in the song. So it was cool to hear hear the whole thing played out. Um, So it's interesting you say you don't play punk music, but it, it comes from that place. I can relate to that because it's like, I'm not a musician, but I'm like a zinster. And I always say that I'm like a literary punk because like the like ethics and aesthetics of punk have like influenced so much of what I do, even though I'm not like, a, a punk rocker in the traditional sense, but you talk about punk a lot in your music, and so I just want to ask you, like, what punk means to you, and why it's so important to you, and and why you feel that you're connected to it, even though you say you don't make punk music.
2: Um, I mean, the word means so many different things to so many different people, and um, a lot of what comes up now that is called punk, I I don't recognize it as such. I also think that that's perhaps a little bit of a generational shift mm-hmm. in that every 10 years we tend to look back and go that's not real punk mm-hmm. uh the same thing happened in the 90s when you know green day were coming out and people were like, that's not punk and um however to me what it means is really Stepping outside of the mainstream, questioning everything, questioning why we're supposed to live in a system where we're working towards somebody else's dream for eight hours a day, 40 40 hours a week, why we're constantly held back. um, And and it's about finding your own independence and your own power within that, to me.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah. um, Tell us more about that. Like what do you see a connection between punk and class consciousness? Like how does how does punk connect to the struggle of poor and working class people in the UK in particular, I guess, but, uh, you know, also in general?
2: Well, this is why I don't recognize a lot of the punk now, because it comes from a very middle class place and it comes and there's nothing wrong with people who are born into privilege, born into wealth or whatever. But when they start coming into working class spaces, taking over and kicking working class people out, I have a real problem with that. Um, And and that's really what, what has happened. The punk scene has been gentrified. Um, Mm. to a point where the working-class people are kicked out to the side. Um, Those who have struggled growing up, who have had punk rock childhoods like myself, like yourselves, we end up getting kicked out. Uh, And and what's brought in are these kind of, you know, these very safe middle-class people who come in with their very white version of punk that is completely unoffensive and without any edge and just goes along with the mainstream thought of the day the mainstream ideals of the day, to me there's nothing rebellious about that. Um punk has to be rebellious. And I think that there are certain spaces like punk rock, like black metal, where they're meant to be offensive and they're meant to be edgy and they're meant to kind of upset people and and that's okay. Um but they but these kind of safe space people mm. seem to just come for like couldn't they just leave punk alone and make their <laughs> own thing? <laughs>
1: No, it's really true. Um we were talking about this uh with our friend Alexia um, from Destroy Boys when we were doing an interview with them. With, we were just talking about how like the cancel culture stuff is so at odds with punk because like punk was always supposed to be a space where like misfits and freaks and people could just come and like be themselves and be messy and like you know people who have had a hard time or have a lot of trauma and have been through a lot of shit are like not very likely to be able to follow a bunch of complicated rules to like not get canceled. So yeah, it's really sad that that is happening in punk because punk was always a space where you could be like really crazy and messy and still belong.
0: Yeah, totally. I also like, I remember like, around about like 10 and 12 years ago, like I started really seeing this, this shift where all of a sudden um well, I guess it was kind of gradual, but people like it, It, it the, the situation evolves so that like when I would see people in public who like looked, Like look like punks, you know, Um, I would be like, wait, these aren't people who like listen to punk or like punk (laughs) at all. (laughs) They're just people who like have denim uh, vests with like patches sewn on, you know, Um, and they're like, they, they like literally like look down on people who are in the punk scene, you know. Um, which I don't know, I'm I'm not like trying to be like a huge like gatekeeper of like a scene or something, but I just like I noticed this and I was You're just like the posers. <laughs> I, yeah, they're posers. <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I just I was noticing this and I was like, who are these people and why do they want to look like people that they don't like? You know? Anyway.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Itch, um one of the things I was talking about this in the beginning a bit, but one of the things I notice about the King Blues and your vibe generally is that there's a lot of positivity, you know, there's some of your music and actually some of your, my favorite of your music gets really dark. It goes to some dark places, but I can vibe with that. Cause I, um, I have some dark stuff in my life, you know, but you also have this fucking unrelenting positivity. Like, I don't even know how else to describe it where you are warm hearted and your lyrics really like they re- it reminds me of like somebody giving you like a positive talking to about like, you know like 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 just like stepping up and like claiming your life and like so I just wanted to ask you about that like what what do you why do you think you're so positive despite having had so much hard shit happen to you in your life and like why is that sort of vibe important to you in your music
2: wow um great question um I for me I think that what were once artists uh have now become entertainers but I'm not here to kind of entertain I I try and put everything Mm. into my music and not just as a self-expression self-expression comes secondary to me to me the important thing is the message and the Mm. message that I want to put out there and it kind of blows my mind that so many people create art and don't consider the message they just kind of leave it up to chance and I think that's really reckless um I want people who hear my music to feel a certain way I don't them don't want them to come away thinking that oh, there are so many problems in the world and we're powerless. I want them to come away inspired, filled with hope Mm. and ready to fight. I'm not here to entertain. I'm not here to inform. I'm here to kind of try and set hearts on fire. And I think with all these algorithms controlling what people listen to, the most successful ones just pump out more of what we're already aware of. And we end up with basically AI music created by humans. It reflects Mm. our tastes. It doesn't inform it in any way. And I think it's time to move on and and take a new approach and, um, I always even before I was cancelled I definitely wanted our music to be positive I definitely wanted people to come away and go wow I feel like I want I want to get out there and do something um and I I, I feel a lot of punk when I listen to it I can come away quite negative feeling quite negative mm. um and I, and so I just I thought yeah I, I I really want to give people hope and I think hope was always very important to me um when Obama used it in his campaign, or with that poster by that that the artist. You know, it, it got a little bit. It be, kind of became something else. Um, from what from what I've, I I considered hope, um, I do believe that there is always hope, and sometimes it takes a kind of injustice and a loss of all that you hold solid, like your career, your friends, to remember that the worldly ambitions I was I was possibly striving toward are ultimately useless and unfulfilling, and it's you know that can be the kind of revelation one only gets on the deathbed um mm. so I do really try and I, what I want to create in a in a listener is a feeling uh, so it's not necessarily um do I want them to think this song rocks or do I want it to be hard I, I really want them to be filled with a feeling when they come away of inspiration not inspiration of oh I could do what he's doing but what is my power what is my role where can I add value when can one add value um to society and um and I just want to yeah I just want to give that feeling of hope I suppose
1: yeah like one of the things about me that people say is that like I in a loving way bully people into being their best selves you know like (laughs) I really do the like kind of like lovingly aggressive like like lifting people up thing, you know, and it's something that I believe in so much because I believe that people all have such specific gifts to offer and they really feel so like downtrodden and like just bad because of the state of the world and the way that we treat each other and the way that we're always in competition with each other. And like, it's just very negative, you know, and I love that energy of like really, telling people that they specifically have something to offer and that there's a way for them to offer it and that like they can belong being specifically who they are, you know, and mm-hmm. I really get that from your music. When I listen to it, I feel uplifted in that way and I feel like ready to go, you know, and um, I really feel I wanted to say this to you, Itch, because um, the um, like for me, I know you say like, you know, that you've gotten a lot out of our work. And a lot of people say that to me, they're like, thank you so much. Like your work is doing so much for me, blah, 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 which I appreciate. But there's very little that can like actually fill me up as well that can like give me that feeling, you know, and I really get that from the King Blues. Like when I listen to it, I feel filled up. Like I'm like, thank you. I'm ready to go. I feel seen. I feel heard. I feel inspired. So
0: yeah that's so beautiful thank you <laughs>
1: yeah
0: itch I wanted to say like on this topic I remember really um, really clearly when I was when I was getting sober like like 10 years ago um, I remember uh, that like I felt like music had kind of been like taken from me in a certain way because mm. all the music I had to listen to all my favorite music was so first of all it was so um, negative and and dark uh, that like it it was like it was like a trigger for me you know mm. um and for like a long time like I I couldn't listen to like all my favorite music because it was just like I don't know like I it made me feel so like it it, it gave me such hard feelings you know um and I remember really clearly wishing that there was such a thing as like hope punk
3: mm. um
0: and wow. I was like I want to be able to listen to punk music that is like uplifting in some way um and of course there's like other uplifting music but that wasn't the kind of music that i wanted to listen to you know because so i found it boring or whatever um and i was just like fuck man i wish that i had known about the king blues fucking 10 years ago dude it would have made my <laughs> would have made my sobriety so much better um in the early years um uh, wow well yeah yeah we appreciate you Edge. Okay, so oh, speaking of this on this topic, um, in some of your lyrics you explore uh, addiction and recovery themes. We love that on this podcast, obviously. Um, can you tell us about your journey around uh, addiction, substance use, recovery?
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I before cancellation, I was I I was really on it. You know, I, I was really on it when the King Blues split up in 2012. I had a little we we had a a, um, a hiatus for about two years, and um and I went solo. I was in America at the time in in LA, and I I pretty much lost my mind. I'd pretty much lost my identity. I'd I'd lost this thing that I've been working towards my whole life. Um, and I was like, who am I? And at the same time. Um, a a record label had come along and and made me rich for the first time in my life i suddenly had money so having a kind of my old life burn up been given a load of money and a load of time it was just the very worst thing you can do to an addict uh, Really, oh my
0: god i can't even imagine
2: (laughs) terrible so i suddenly had you know um LA drug dealers and dealers all around the world and it very very quickly became um a, a problem for me and I I can't really drink very well I've got Chinese blood in me I'm just like physically not able to do it didn't stop me um and I've 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 recently um been diagnosed as autistic as well and I think a lot of it was maybe trying to overcome overcome some of the struggles that I had being autistic and on the road all the time um but alcohol, uh, cocaine were just my kind of go-to drugs. Alcohol was, I, I'd i always sort of smoked weed heavily, but that never really um, affected me in too negative a way. But in 2016, when I was cancelled, I, I was at a point where I, I was at a crossroads of either suicide or, um, or getting sober. And those are my only two choices that I could see. I, I couldn't see anything else beyond that. And the attractive one to me was certainly suicide. And Mm -hmm. still, in a way, I'm like, I get it. I get it. I've had Mm -hmm. friends who have um, done it or or attempted to do it. And I've been upset. But I've also been like, man, I I, I get it. I don't hold it against you Mm because I kind of I get the pain and I get like you're wanting a way out. But I'm I'm a father. So, again, that wasn't really an option for me. Cause I'm a dad. So my only option at this point was getting sober. So I went to AA meeting, somewhere I'd never been in my life. Uh and sat through it, you know, had the seat right by the door, didn't speak <laughs> to anyone. You know, the classic, right? Yeah, and yeah. just in tears throughout the entire one, and afterwards went to another one, went to another, went to another. And at that point, I was so desperate because I was at a point where I I was crossing the road without looking if there were cars because I was like, cool, if someone hits me and it's not my fault, sick, then I can be dead without the guilt of letting my son down, you know. Um, I was just at a point of like, I would try anything. So if anyone in AA had said to me, in order to get sober, you need to stand in the corner and jump up and down 50 times every day, I would have done it. Like, no matter what they said, I'm like, cool, obedient, let's go. And I threw myself into it um i threw myself into the big book i threw myself into meetings um into i found a sponsor um which was horrible a really horrible experience <laughs> it's like asking someone out <laughs> you know what i mean like asking someone on a, on a date or something for, and and getting turned <laughs> yeah. down a few times when you're super vulnerable um yeah. but eventually i got a sponsor eventually and i and i did the 90 and 90 i really start i was like dedicated to it and it amazed me. I was like, wow, going through the steps. It took a few years um, and realizing the part that I had to play in my own cancellation, realizing um, how I'd upset people to, to a point where they wanted to go and spread this stuff about me or uh, wanted to make stuff up. Um, I, I I I I took responsibility for what I had done and got to leave behind mm-hmm. what was just put on me that I didn't do. Right. and got to walk out with integrity of of doing the steps and it was so freeing I, I I couldn't believe it. and two years prior to this, I was in LA in Hollywood, the penthouse suite at the W staying there. this is my place um crazy money, crazy amounts of power and I was utterly miserable. I would just walk around the hotel on my own looking for things to complain about and um two years into sobriety, I had nothing. I, I, you know, my my money went went straight down. I was bankrupt. I had nothing to show for for the time I was rich. I I spent all my money on drugs and clothes and had no nothing sensible. Um, and I was happy for the first time in my life. I was happy. I was in poverty. I was living in my mom's garage and I was happy, uh, genuinely, <laughs> genuinely happy. And I, I, I couldn't explain it. And um, you guys get it because you know. Yeah. But to an outsider, it's like, what are you talking about? Yeah. but in externally my life was shit but internally it was great and when externally my life was wonderful internally it was absolute hell and this duality that i was living with was causing such a, a mind fuck um so from 2016 to 2020 i was entirely sober up until we had our sort of lockdown over here um oh. and and then i started um my i got a prescription for for cannabis which they don't give out here the same way they do in canada or la where it's like oh i've got a nosebleed they're like here have some weed it's it's there's only i think a couple of hundred people who have a a prescription over here um so i started taking cannabis again and and i started on a journey of uh, kind of sacred plant medicines um mushrooms um certainly researching into ayahuasca and and rape and, and kind of um Looking at a more, I, I took on a more spiritual journey uh-huh. that was outside, perhaps, of sobriety. But in the same way that I take with me things from the punk scene, I certainly take things with me through from the, from the twelve steps. I take the accountability. I take the the honesty. I take accepting people, um, and the kind of taking stock of my day. And and of what I've done, what I haven't done, uh, certainly things I I carry through. So I suppose you know, using cannabis and using mushrooms, I'm not sober sober, um, or or not in active recovery. I suppose could say Um, I still, I still, yeah, certainly take a few of those of those things with me
1: yeah thanks for sharing that it's I didn't know I mean I just assumed you know because of your lyrics like I was like this guy's fucking been to AA like I yeah. know it you know <laughs> I didn't <laughs> listening to your music I'm just like yo like I can fucking hear the big book in these songs you know um yeah. so that's cool um to hear the story and I relate I mean I'm sure you've heard me talk about it a bit on the podcast, and. Uh, probably on my Instagram, but my journey has been very similar where uh, I'm at with my recovery stuff today. But I wanted to ask you about a specific line in Nike town, um, which I don't know if you got this from the rooms, but I'm like, I definitely heard it in the rooms a million times, which is the line, what other people think of me is none of my business. Um, can you just tell us about that line and what it means to you? Cause I think it's a, it's a nugget of spiritual wisdom
0: and very relevant. Yes.
2: yeah yeah very relevant to cancel culture um definitely I got that out of the rooms um people were saying it and it just resonated with me so bad when I first started going into the rooms and um reading and hearing things I was like this is so poetic this is so wonderful like uh, and and I the first guy i was talking to who wasn't sponsoring me but was helping me through was like do not go in there and try and look for songs do not go in and try and look for lyrics. like <laughs> you're not there for your own creative you're not there for your own ego or what you can make it into and sell out of it mm. just go listen but i couldn't help it it was just like <laughs> that's a song that's a song this is brilliant and all the stories i was hearing was like man just so just you know there was just so much in it that totally. i was like this needs to go in lyrics no. um I couldn't help it. And 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 <laughs> I really struggled with the, you know, we have to leave it in here. We can't put it out into the media and all this kind of stuff. I was like, can I even tell people that I've done AA? Um, and then at the time, mm. um, Russell Brand was a significant mm. activist over here at the time. And he'd just done this book on recovery. and And so there was some discussion in the rooms about, okay, at this point, are we following Bill W's word to the T?, or are we perhaps going, okay, it is okay to embrace a little bit in the media? There was some discussion about that, that that went back and forth. And so I kind of allowed myself to start putting AA things into it. And that line, yeah, um, what other people think you know your business, I cannot take any uh, ownership for. But it is a fantastic little nugget of wisdom because it's so true i don't know what people think of me i assume they will think the absolute worst of me um if i see anyone who's visibly punk or visibly alternative i straight away get some anxiety i don't know what they think of me they probably never heard of me like in reality they probably don't know who i am it's been a long time since my band was kind of out in the in the public eye um so just assuming that or just knowing that I don't know what people think has, has certainly made a big difference. And I try my hardest to live by that, although I fuck up all the time.
1: God, I relate to that so fucking much. Sure. Like, it's it's like, you know, for me, it was like less explicitly punk aesthetics, but more queer aesthetics. But in here, the place where I am, they're kind of the same thing, like this kind of queer yeah. punk-ish aesthetic. And it's like after I was canceled, I started to have like a visceral nervous system response to seeing queer people.
3: Yeah. And
1: it's like so crazy because like I am a queer person and I would see people with like, you know, the stick and poke tattoos and the septum piercing and the half a shaved head. And I, my heart would start pounding. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on that I have like reached a point where like people of my own community are like terrifying me? And like, you know, it's, it's so, um, like it's so crazy to me because it's like you have given so fucking much like to punk you know you have literally your whole life has been like this this gift of like doing your work and like creating your art and like giving that to the world and like you know yes you're a a human and you've had your journey and everything like that but like the idea that now you know cancel culture has been so brutal that you are like afraid of punks it's just so fucking depressing to me and I feel so relating to that because I'm like I have given so much to queer people like so fucking much to queer people so much of my career has been about uplifting queer people and now queer people terrify me um yeah, yeah. What a state of affairs
0: it's like everybody in North America like every queer person in North America has one of Clementine's old zines like in their fucking bathroom you know but like they're they're fucking yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah it's a
2: problem that i hear from a lot of cancelled people like across the board is that they do become very terrified of their own communities and that that ostracization is it's just it's real it's we're basically living in exile and exile is not a new thing you know it's mm. it, it's kind of it's it's very very ancient yeah look at look, kind of the roman poet ovid from 43 mm. bc said that exile is a living death and there's definitely some truth in that and that we can witness life going on we know our heart's still beating but we're on the outside, like a kid who's not allowed to join in and the playground is run by the bullies where there's nothing mm. but perpetual punishment and no one to, there's no dinner lady to come over and go, hey, you know, yeah. <laughs> kids play nicely. It, it's bizarre. And Dante was in exile when he wrote the Divine Comedy, you know, and he he has in the lowest circle of hell, the the bearers of, of false witness. And, and, you know, it's an ancient, ancient thing mm. that's going on.
1: Yeah. And you know what helps me with this a little bit is just to remember that it's like, you know, whether you take queers or punks or any like subcultural group that we're feeling afraid of, like, it's like the vast majority of them are also scared in some way, like whether they've been canceled themselves, like the vast majority of them are not the bullies. The vast majority of them are living under fear of the bullies because if they, you know, they might be canceling as well, but they're doing it because they're afraid that they're going to get into trouble if they don't, right? So like that kind of orientation helps me because there is this like assumption that people make, with the queer thing, where they're like assuming that, like, when Jay and I do events or something, that it's all like kind of like normie, like cis heterosexual men or something like this. And it's like, of course, there's like always a few straight guys there. But like, I mean, sometimes, sometimes we <laughs> sometimes not. Yeah. not, but like, very often, there's like a disproportionately large number of queer and trans people and like you know, punks, freaks, weirdos, etc. because it's our scenes that are so dysfunctional in this way. Right. So because so many of us are, you know, like we are in these scenes, that means we're going to be canceled more likely, you know? And so, yeah, it's just, so I try to keep that in mind when I'm having my weird nervous system response to be like, okay, it's true. This person could be a canceller or they also could be like me. And like I was mm-hmm. before I was canceled where I was like, really just trying to, get away with like surviving in those scenes without getting canceled, you know? So
2: yeah. hundred percent. I mean, earlier today I was, I was out grabbing a coffee and someone come up to me and he's like, Oh, are you it from the King blues? And I, and I, and I was like, yeah, maybe." <laughs> I was so, I was so standoffish that I was rude. I was like, yeah, because I, I wanted to see what his next response was going to be. Yes. Was it, I fucking hate you. Or, and he was like, Oh, I saw your gig, blah, blah, blah. I listened to it in college and it was really lovely. But, I felt really bad because I was like, well, I'd made that assumption straight away. I'd put up mm. that defense and um, and I felt terrible for it. And I'm like, man, this has affected me and I need to remember that like, I don't know what people think. But I. it reminds me, I, I had a, uh, a meetup with some punks who I hadn't seen in 20 years. None of us had seen each other. And we had a meetup last week. Mm. And one is, you know, was a junkie who would do anything to get their money for their fix and is now entirely sober. And, and one is like... Were, he he couldn't read or write, and now he's learned to read or write. He's been diagnosed as a um, a schizophrenic, and and I'm like, these are my people, man. These pe- <laughs> yeah. broken, fucked up. These are my people, not yes. not not you know the girl who comes from some rich family who's got into identity politics and is suddenly going, man, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. It's like these crazy people who've had yes. crazy lives. These are my folk. They got soul.
1: Mm, I
0: love that. <laughs> yeah, word um yo itch uh last year at fucking cancelled fest um which as we were saying you organized for us in london and was absolutely amazing um you dedicated the song heart of a lion to us so here's a softball question for you can you tell us what the message is behind heart of a lion
2: yeah i mean absolutely for for me it's really about people who have had difficult exactly what we're talking about people Mm. who've had difficult upbringings who can take this kind of unjust trauma that comes at them. And what you guys do is you take that bomb that is coming at you. And as it is exploding, you grab every little fracture and you put it back together and send it back out as this Hadouken of love and positivity. It's amazing and powerful and it's ridiculous. And the amount (laughs) of crap that you guys get over just the most stupid, inane, obviously provably false bullshit i mean i don't know too much about your cancellations but i know enough to know <laughs> that it's fucking ridiculous stupid like anyone with half a brain can spend a little bit of time looking into it and go clearly there's more to it clearly yeah. this isn't right yeah. and so i i feel there are so many cancelled people and i get it who just it comes for them The trauma hits them and they break and they crumble. But people like yourselves are so strong and so creative and so artistic and so in your integrity. So when you're that grounded and that in your integrity as you two are, you're so fucking powerful. The power that you have (laughs) is godly it's otherworldly <laughs> wow. it comes from other realms it comes from other realms it comes from the universe it doesn't come from from the nine to five. Oh, how do we get power is it through status is it through whatever it comes from what matters it comes from really your spirit and your soul and you two are so connected to the spirit so connected to your soul that the power you have is like armies upon armies. And that's why so many people are so attracted to the work that you do. The power that it has to speak to people who are hurt, to people who are so systemically exhausted. They don't have the power to go on or to even interpret what is happening to them. You give them that power, you give them that strength. That is the heart of a lion, is somebody who is just gonna keep on fighting no matter what, no matter what has happened to them, they keep on fighting for their pride, they keep on fighting just to roam and to. Being in their integrity because at the end of the day they can look up to the sun and roar at it. They can roar at the moon like <laughs> the lion that they are. Because that's all that matters in the world. It's about being a non-conformist, you know?
1: Mm, that's so beautiful.
0: Wow. You know, people <laughs> people accuse us of running a cult. Um, and I keep saying, like, maybe we should just start one. Like, yes, since I'm we're already out. accused of it. Like, you could be our, I don't know, like in the top echelon, you know, inner circle. Yeah. Um, I'm in. I'm in.
1: <laughs> yeah, but like honestly itch that was so moving thank you um it's it's crazy because it's like I know what you mean you know when people are doing what they're here to do and are in their integrity and are like standing firm in that even in the face of people like fucking throwing shit at you you know and like sometimes quite literally um as we just had shit poured (laughs) on our car (laughs) um but like it's it's like It's crazy because it's like the stuff we were talking about with the positivity earlier, like, I just wanted to tie that back in because I see that people it's like, it's not just us. It's like people have this, like you have this so many people. Like when they are doing their work, when they are in their integrity and doing their work, it is something that is spiritual. It is something that is like connected to something bigger. And it is this expression. And I think like human beings, we need so much more of this, especially in these times, we need people to be in their integrity and doing their work and giving whatever specific gift. They have to the world and everyone has a specific gift to offer to the world it's it's different from person to person but everyone has something specific to offer and when they are in that and they're in alignment with that it's like fucking powerful yeah. and it's actually crazy because it's when people are in that alignment and they're doing their work and it's resonating that's when they get fucking canceled because it's like when you're doing that it is really powerful and people see it they see that power they see that energy And because of the culture that we live in, where we are taught scarcity and we are taught competition, Mm. instead of seeing that and feeling inspired by it, which they should, because it's like, this is not meant to be dominating you. It's not meant to be like, oh, I'm thriving. So fuck you. It's meant to be like, here's my energy. And also I want to see you to step into yours. And like, but people don't know how to think that way. So many people these days, right? And so instead they're just like, fuck that. How dare you be thriving? How dare you be in your power? Like, I feel totally fucked up. I feel totally disconnected from what I want to be doing in this world. So I'm going to fucking tear you down. And like, honestly, if there is like a common thread of canceled people, it's like the majority of canceled people are people who were doing something like this, who were standing in their power in some kind of significant way that they got noticed, you know, and like that's the reason they get taken down.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I think also, I don't know, it's it's interesting um, there's this kind of, there's this situation where a lot of, a lot of, a lot of the scene or whatever, like, like the left political kind of like scene, I guess you could say is made up of people who, um, who have this strong, like negative tendency, basically, you know, it's very easy to complain. It's very easy to criticize. It's very easy to, uh, you know, just point out all the problems and everything. Um, and go on and on about how impossible everything is. And like, I definitely have that tendency within me. Like, absolutely. You know, I have a very negative side. I really like to complain um, and point out the problems with things, you know, um, but we're, we're also trying to build up like a positive message that is actually going somewhere. Mm -hmm. That and and we're trying to say that hope is not hopeless. And and there's like a there's like a direction that we can go in, you know, Mm -hmm. um there's something that we can do about this situation. Um and so we have to move away from that like cynicism, you know? And then Mm -hmm. I don't know, there's this other sort of section as I'm thinking especially on like Instagram, you know, but there's this other sort of section of the like progressive world um that is like these people who have this sort of like positive message but it's very curated and very mm. sort of saccharine, very kind of like sterilized, you know? Mm. Um, and you can tell, and it doesn't come across as authentic, right? There, yes. and, and it's like, you're not in your integrity because you're doing this as like a content creation, like program, you know what I mean? And like, it doesn't connect. And maybe you can connect with some people because they're just like searching and you're there, but like, it isn't that thing that 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 really like, you know pushes through people's defenses and 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 can connect with them truly um yeah anyway so that's just like a tangent. yeah I but think, it's so true so yeah
1: i think it's i think it's the combination what you were saying with the heart of the lion thing where it's the combination of people being in their realness, like not pretending that you're like some perfect person but just being like this is me i'm a human and I'm, like, I have, like, a whole mix of qualities, like, negative and positive, and, like, I have a whole history, and, like, I'm not pretending not to be that, you know? Like, I'm I'm human. I'm allowed to be a human. And, like, I'm doing all of this stuff. Like, it's the combination of both, because I think it's the sterilization of people's, like, humanity. We're not allowed to bring the shadow into it, that that becomes mm.
2: very, like,
1: very, like, two-dimensional.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you're completely right. It is always the kind of... If you think of like whoever's organizing your scene in the local area, whoever's like putting on the gigs, I bet they're the person getting slagged off the most. You know what I mean? The one who's like doing the stuff because they're actually sticking their head above and actually mm. taking a risk and trying to do something. And, you know, people, like you say, they really don't like that. And a lot of people do see I think there's a culture of it now, especially with certainly in music. Um, But I think that it goes across uh, all disciplines where. A lot of young people are seeing a legit way of getting some noise is Mm -hmm. to slag off artists who are bigger than them and and to try and bring people down rather than bringing themselves up. And like you say, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't help. If everyone's helping each other, it's a lot easier than trying to bring people down.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's so I'm just like, I feel sorry for people who do that because it's like there's like this like meme that I made of like this little Simpsons character like laughing on a school bus and it's like haha I'm in danger and it's like cancelers hanging out with their friends because basically okay. it's like if you're doing that and you're like getting some success from like canceling other people and treating other people badly you might get lifted up for a little while but you're surrounded by people who like definitely are going to stab you in the back as soon as they get the opportunity to so 100%
0: um,
1: okay so to just switch gears a little bit um we wanted to ask you about the political situation in the UK because we are canadians and we are not in the uk and also we are tired of everything being about the united states of america so it's always nice to talk to people who aren't americans um in in North america cancel culture has become this major like block for like leftists to do any organizing because now leftists are constantly canceling each other like, just like we're talking about this happening in, in music scenes and artistic scenes it's definitely happening also within political scenes um, and yeah, I don't know. I was just struck by the part of your story where you were talking about like bringing the party to the protest and like making it fun. And I'm wondering if you have any insight into what's going on in the left these days in the u k and how cancel culture might be impacting that,
2: yeah. I mean, absolutely. it's it's so bizarre how much it's it's affected here in the u k. so you the the big sort of socialist union group that we have is called the socialist workers party the swp and they are a kind of they're a political party but they're also a conglomerate of of different unions and um the the guy who was the head of there was cancelled i think maybe five or six years ago and for and and uh, this was after an internal investigation found out he'd done nothing wrong uh the mm. official investigation t- t- uh, found out he'd done nothing wrong and people just didn't like the uh people who didn't know him didn't know the situation at all didn't like the result and were like no somebody has to be right. guilty because i am been told i need to be outraged and so he had to basically go in well in exile um and then everybody who stood by him was also uh, cancelled for for the uh-huh. for doing that and these are people who had fought their entire lives for this cause you know a lot like uh, david rovics for instance getting getting cancelled uh-huh. again where it's people who have fought for this entire entire life fought against racism are suddenly being told they're racist um and and, and so what we what we've got now is you get these kind of 16 17 year olds going to university and doing a socialist workers party stall because they just want to help out and they're just starting to learn about unions and class politics and stuff and then you'll get other students come along flipping over their table calling them rape apologists and it's like what is going on this is so fractured don't you see that the right wing ain't doing this this mm-hmm. is like a, a really a real problem on the left everything is so fractured so um in uh, a couple years ago um there, the 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 increase uh, following covid the increase uh attacks on the southeast asian east asian community were just skyrocketed um over here it, it tripled and there were many hate attacks so i formed a group called uh the fuck you crew um and we were this kind of asian hip-hop punk group and we formed with the with the sole intention of trying to help out that community and i organized um the stop asian hate um march in the uk I mm-hmm. uh, organized it cross party we had uh different party speakers we had various community speakers um leaders of of, of different uh, different groups and pressure groups all coming to join in this big protest we had all the press involved it was going to be a fucking massive event um three days before cancelers found out i was involved oh my God. and i was like okay cool i won't be there I'll I'll take my name off of the thing. I won't speak. And you can just go ahead. You can use half of your speech to denounce me and say that you don't stand with me, whatever you want. And they were like, no, no, no. He's involved. We're not doing it. And so the UK's Stop Asian Hate movement did not happen um, because of that. And so uh, long-term Asian activist Jabez Lam Uh, who runs the hackney community chinese community center uh, and i quote him on this said it was a massive own goal for the asian community because it absolutely was an own goal um and a few weeks later they tried to organize their own it was poorly publicized poorly attended it was just it didn't happen we didn't have that movement over here because of cancellation um and i and i'm i see it all the time people are really really terrified to say anything to do anything um in a kind of a, a political sense. So since that happened, I had a breakdown following that. Cause I was just like, man, what's the point? I just, mm. I just tried so hard to do something. yeah. Um, and every time I try and do something, it just gets taken away. So since then I've, I've kind of taken a step back. Um, but, uh, but there are certain organizations that are trying to cancel proof themselves. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, there's a lot of organizations are in the UK are very aware of your work. Um, in particular you two in particular and uh, are very um using that to try and make themselves cancel proof and and this is something i don't have experience in but i'm hearing from my leftist secret secret friends that um <laughs> that is going on in these organizations which is great if, if some of the the more hardcore ones are, are are realizing it's a problem on the left i think
1: oh yeah i hope that that works out yeah
0: that's really good to hear man <laughs> Um, I mean, well, well, only the last part, but yeah. <laughs> the rest of it's last, yeah. yeah. Um, what about music? Like, how is how is cancel culture affecting music and musicians in the UK?
2: I mean, what I do now is uh, my main job is producing other acts and working behind the scenes on uh, new younger acts, mm. and they're all terrified. They, I, I never men- mentioned canceling in the studio because I don't want anyone's i don't want any fear i want it to be a creative place where people can, mm. can just do anything but these young artists are like man i can't say that i'll get cancelled i can't do this i'll get cancelled mm. and they're really terrified of it and it's just stifling creativity to a point where uh, what are we going to end up with just more ai music we're just going to end up with everybody listening to drake we've, we've got a point over here where on spotify now um UK kids are listening to the American charts more Ooh. than the British charts for the first time ever. Never, It's okay. never happened before. This kind of globalisation of music has happened where um, now we're just going to get a few stars and it's been, been gentrified to a point where we're going back to the days of um labels spending all their money on a few stars rather than giving a mixture hodgepodge that can uh, cater to everyone everyone now has to just eat the same burger everyone has to eat McDonald's has to eat the same drake record and it's um it's really sad man the 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 people are just terrified of, of saying anything edgy saying anything with any kind of soul and if people are just reprinting the safe music that's out there it's it's ai it's boring yeah it's not really art
1: Yeah, one of the things that's so crazy to me about all of this is just like, you know, when I think about the state that young, new artists, writers, musicians, etc., are in with this climate, and I think about if that had been the case, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago, would we have any of the music that we have now, you know? And when you think about um, many of the artists that we probably grew up listening to and like looking up to like most of them would probably have been canceled before they would even have been able to reach the level of fame that they were at and like thinking about like your story you know and being this like you know like 13 year old living in a fucking squat like that's a that's a crazy beautiful story you know about you with your little disc man like making music and like just like on this like journey of like indie artists like just like creating music from the heart and like finding an audience Like, that's fucking hard enough under capitalism, you know? It's hard enough to make it as an indie artist um, and find your audience. But, like, with this new shit, it's, like, I'm sure, like, you know, even long before you were uh, canceled, you know, at at the height of your career, like, little fucking 13-year-old itch or, like, 16-year-old itch or 18-year-old itch, I'm sure if cancel culture back then was like it is now – they would have got you then they would have found something to get you on then because you were just a fucking kid living in a squat house. Like you can cancel people for anything, you know? And so I'm just like, I'm always thinking about how I'm so fucking glad that they didn't have smartphones back when I was like Mm. a crazy alcoholic, because I would have been fucking filmed and put on the internet acting insane, you know? And it's just like, yeah, then there would be no Clementine Morgan because I would probably have been pre canceled and like, who knows, wouldn't have even been able to like get sober or like maybe would have killed myself So anyway, all that's just to say, like, do you have any advice for new musicians, people who are starting out, who are in this climate? Like, what would you say to them?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And and I think um, the only thing, if you're an artist, who's saying anything of any discipline, you're a writer, you're a painter, you're whatever, poet, whatever you do. If you're saying anything, people are going to come for you. You say Mm -hmm. anything that's out of the ordinary, out of the... What acceptable things to say in a song. People are going to come for you, and you can be the one person on earth who's never sinned, and it doesn't make you cancel proof. Yeah. Like people can just lie and just make it. I used to think that your actions had <laughs> yeah. some kind of bearing on the world, but it, it doesn't matter. You can be squeaky clean. Yeah. There's a singer over here called Cliff Richard, who I'm sure you don't have never heard of, no. but who's the most squeaky? Like make Celine Dion look like Ozzy Osbourne. Do you know what I mean? Like just. <laughs> he's like christian does one song every christmas got cancelled it's like it doesn't matter how clean you are how (laughs) utterly straight you are like you can get cancelled so the only thing that matters is being in your own integrity and being in your own truth and Mm -hmm. grounding yourself and saying okay is this the music that i want to make would i be making this music if it wasn't popular if it had no chance of Uh, monetary success Mm. would I still make it just because I have to make it just because inside me I know there's something hungry where it doesn't matter about an audience I just have to do it Mm. because otherwise what is life um then then create create something that's brilliant because when you do that really special things happen and outside the box things happen and um you know, it just just don't care about your audience at all. And it's so impossible. It's, it's such a wonderful ideal to live up to, to not care about what other people think and to not care about your audience. Um, obviously, um, you know, there's a part of it that people always do. But when you're really like, I'm going to do something special just because I love it um that's when that's when that's when really special things happen and i think you know in the future everyone is going to be cancelled for 15 minutes that's the way that we're going this Uh is a phenomenon a phenomenon that's going to affect everyone and it's not just celebrities um if you kind of think of the people who've been uncancelled it's like johnny depp aziz ansari that's it maybe (laughs) you know and all the people that have been cancelled most of them are not celebrities most Uh of them are just normal people with normal lives who cannot fight back um so, I think just take it as an inevitability, like mm-hmm. really cancellation is coming uh, but when it comes, can you be sure that you are in your integrity, you lived by your own truth, you did what was right and as much as you could as a human if you can, then you have to just be like water and let it go through you you know mm-hmm. and uh, ideally, um, but it's also an incredibly traumatic thing cancellation is around the corner, and when it comes look after yourself absolutely um switch off if you can don't google yourself whatever you do yeah, um fuck. delete twitter but, it's, <laughs> but you, the, the, the ego is saying google yourself you have to find yeah, out yeah. what they're saying first and it and and it's almost the survival instinct in you is yes. saying you have to know what the threat is yeah yes but it's just not helpful at all um and so unplugging really unplugging from social media i i believe there's going to be a new subculture that comes along that turns its back on social media, turns its back on the internet, um, turns its back on the industrial revolution to a point. And I, I think that these these kind of sub this subculture is going to come up. But um yeah, I think just see cancellation as just another occupational hazard, really. Uh, Nothing you yeah. can do about it.
0: Yeah, so real. Well, thanks so much for that, man. Um, I'm sure people are gonna get a lot out of this interview. Would you play us some music?
2: Yes, yes, I would love to. I would love to. Amazing. Let me just um. Let You're me just look to, to you know?
3: From the fiery pits of Camden Town. To Elephant and Castle, underground There ain't no teachers in the school They're all out hustling, playing pool The neighbours complain about the noise There's girls in labour with Tory boys So I'll say my prayers, go to bed Wake up with a horse's head But if we lean on you, we are gonna fall When it's all for one, and one for fuck cool. But I will save the world, and I will get the girl, I'll dismantle a ticking time bomb with just one second to spare. I will save the world, and I will get the girl, and you will point up at the sky as I fly right through the air. Mother Earth is begging you to quit So you reach the moon and stick a flag in it While I believe in the people of America I still can't believe the Terminators The governor as the soldiers Prepare for combat smiling. ask Do you want freedom? Fries with that We put the oops back in troops Now it seems so absurd And going to war To prevent war Was the most stupid thing I ever heard But I will save the world And I will get the girl. I'll dismantle a ticking time bomb With just one second to spare I will save the world And I will get the girl you will all point up at the sky As I fly right through the air As I fly right through the air I'm a twenty-something OAP I'm screaming at my TV Playing knockdown ginger Kiss me quick Karate chop And kung fu kick I try to live A life that's full Keep my damage minimal But only the bailiff visits me And he never stays for a cup of tea But if we lean on you We are gonna fall When it's all for one And one for a far cool I will save the world, and I will get the girl. I'll dismantle a ticking time bomb with just one second to spare. I will save the world, and I will get the girl. You all point up at the sky as I fly right through the air. I will save the world, and I will get the girl. I'll dismantle a ticking time bomb with just one second to spare I will save the world, and I will get the girl, And you will all point up at the sky as I fly right through the air He's looking, he's looking, he's looking down Hoping you'll clean up this dirty old town Finish his battle before it turns rotten Your granddad didn't vote for fascists Now he shot em, yeah he shot him, he shot him, he shot him down Fired his gun till they hit the ground So I hope you've not forgotten Your grandad didn't vote for fascists, he shut them down When it seems like the world is against you And all your planning ain't work like it's meant to When you wanna drop this, no worries I got this cool out to me as I'm wandering by I'll sit down and I'll dry your eyes And I know the other guys got the cash to spend But if you lend me a pen I can write you a poem I can sing you a song I don't know if that's important Might not pay the bills for long But I'll still write you a poem I'll still sing you a song When you're feeling sad and lonely Like you can't go on, well I'll sing for you I swear like a sailor and I fight like a champ Eat like a king and I drink like a tramp Well I can't do construction Find it hard to follow instructions Can't pick you up cause I ain't got a car but I can write your name in the stars And I ain't got much to give to you But there's one thing I can do I can write you a poem I can sing you a song I don't know if that's important Might not pay the bills for long But i still write you a poem i still sing you a song When you're feeling tired and lonely like you can't go one, well, I'll sing for you, ba ba da ba, ba ba ba. I'll sing for you, ba ba da ba, ba ba ba. I'll sing for you, ba ba da ba, ba ba ba. I'll sing for you, ba ba da ba, ba ba ba. I can write you a poem I can sing you a song I don't know if that's important Might not pay the bills for long But I'll still write you poems I'll still sing you songs When you're feeling tired and lonely Like you can't go on When your nights they go so quickly And your days they seem so long I'll sing for you
1: so thank you so much itch for coming on and for playing songs for us. Yeah.
0: We really thank appreciate it.
1: Me. Yeah. It was lovely to have you on. And um, where can people find out about the King blues, what you guys are doing now and, and so on.
2: Um, yeah, definitely go on Spotify. If it's not available in your country, please let me know. Cause it should be, and I can get that sorted out. Um, otherwise um, Itch's pictures on uh, Instagram. Um, yeah that's the best place to hit me up really is is on my instagram itches pictures and uh, just to say thank you so much for having me on the pod you two are um when i when i use this word i do not use this word often you two are revolutionaries and you will be recognized as such in the future i i genuinely can promise you that because what you're doing is revolutionary work that will affect so many more people you are modern day revolutionaries there are not many of them so like big up yourselves
3: oh thanks
2: man
1: okay well everybody check out the king blues it's definitely beautiful uplifting music and uh yeah we'll let you know if we're back in the uk and we'll see you then
3: nice thanks man bye J'ai entendu du monde dire que je suis un OG.